0: and mp3 downloads and now with this week's teaching Bishop Malcolm Smith the Lord be with you and I anticipate a great evening together just a couple of things so very quickly time flies it seems only yesterday that I was announcing our December retreat and saying and feeling that that was a million miles away well, it's rapidly coming toward us now the first weekend of December here in San Antonio at the Drury Inn. Uh, we do that so you can easy from the airport and right on all the main highways rather than come all the way out here into the wilderness of Bandera. And so the first weekend of December our retreat and our working title for the subject is More Than Conquerors, which of course is not just being a conqueror. This is More Than Conquerors, which is what really the New Testament is about. And 90, well no, 50% of our what we call spiritual warfare I think is just flailing in the wind. Uh, Spiritual warfare is not screaming at the devil. It is living from a deep inner source wherein we become more than merely conquerors. Okay, call our office and, um, or go to the website and get your booking in because um, we're not having the summer retreat, therefore there'll be more in the winter and we're already getting bookings and so I'd hate to tell you we've run out of space, so get your booking in for the first weekend of December, okay, And as I said last week, the subject we're looking at, which is the elder brother of the parable of the prodigal son um it the the background, the stage on which this takes place is what I cover in my latest book on this son of mine. Of course, this son of mine deals with the prodigal and only just hints at this elder brother. And so it's not repeating, but if you have the book, then everything I'm saying last week and this week and for the next couple of weeks is going to have an added dimension and richness and so I urge you, again, get to our office and order your copy today. And thank you to all of our partners who make this broadcast possible. I, I don't know if you realize, we, we send this out to the world free of charge. And everything that goes to making this program each week we do it um, on on the basis of the offerings of our partners. And so I, I thank you, partners, for making this possible. And especially I thank you on behalf of the multitude in Third World who listen to this. We've had, over the years, persons sometimes writing us from the jungles, uh, sometimes from the mountaintops of Peru, and, and, and saying thank you. We, we could never possibly listen to this if there was any charge. But um, we, we can listen. And gathered around computers, and, and we can trace that. Uh, John can tell me who's watching, and where they're watching. Gathered around, who, and who knows how many are gathered around right now. Uh, I bless you. I'm talking about you. Those gathered around a computer in Russia, in China, Korea, yeah, we know you're there. We, you show up on our screen. We know you're watching. Uh, all through the Middle East, um, where believers are being so brutally persecuted, we have those little dots that tell us people are picking this up every week, and so on. Partners, you make it possible. We stand hand in hand in this matter, and thank you for those who have not committed to partnership, but believe me, your gifts that come always come at the direction of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Okay, let's read the conversation that took place on the steps of the house. Inside, the party is in full swing, the band is rocking, the people are dancing and singing, and on the porch is one purple-faced raging man who is making such a racket that he can be heard inside. And so, it says... Verse 28, he, that's this elder brother, became angry, was not willing to go in. You can read into that all the yelling and screaming you want because he had to be heard above the noise of the party and his father had to know that this son was not willing to go in and it was not a gentle thing. It says he was angry. He didn't say, I say, Dad, I'd rather not be there. No, 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 no. And and what he says afterwards is terrible stuff. Not willing to go in. So his father came out, and we've seen that was astonishing. That was love in action as that village had never seen it. And began not answering rage for rage, but pleading with him. And we saw that's the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit, paraclete, coming alongside to plead. Jesus is portraying the Father in in the most gentle terms, the most tender terms. But he, this elder brother, answered, he answered the pleading and said to his Father, Look! I might say that in the Eastern culture that is just another insult. Never, never would a son address his father with, look, it would always be prefaced by father or in the Hebrew Abba, but, but this son is insolent and, and refuses even to address his father. Look, For so many years I have been serving you. And we've seen the word there is is much stronger than serving. It is slaving. All these years I've been slaving. I've been your abject slave. I've never neglected a command of yours. And yet you've never given me a young goat even so that I might celebrate with my friends. But... When this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, kill you killed a fattened calf for him, and the father said to him, "Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours." But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. There it is. It's where we were last week, but now I want to zero in on things that we just skimmed on last week. It's that conversation that took place on the porch where... The son, elder son, stood refusing to come in on the porch outside the house there. New York City, we called it the stoop, you know, there on the steps and the outside balcony. And that's where the slaves would congregate. That's where everybody that did not have the right to be in would stand. And they, they would listen to what's going on. They might catch a few scraps from one of the servants passing by. And that's where this son chose to stand and yell his insults through the door, through the window. Imagine it now. Everybody's face is pressed to the glass. Streets are filled with dancing people. This is a crisis moment. I want you to come inside the mind of this tortured terrified mind the 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 soul of this elder brother his entire world however he interprets life and meaning to life and the reason for getting up in the morning is being unraveled it's disintegrating before his eyes and he's terrified this anger, the, these blustering words that he speaks, it comes out of his fear. Underneath all his words is a terrified person, and they see that life as they know it is gone. And what has caused this? Please c- come with me down this pathway. What, what's, what's caused this eruption of rage? It's crazy. He has seen, for the first time, it took a a certain crisis to see. Do do you know what I mean? Things happen, and in their happening, they throw us off. What we thought was was always, they'd be there forever, nothing's ever going to change. And then something happens, and we're thrown off, and in being thrown off, we see what we'd never seen before. And the crisis of his brother coming home and being celebrated, it throws him off and he sees. And I say, for the first time, I'll go to that in a minute, he sees his father's love. And he sees his father's love focused and celebrating with dancing and singing and party. And and he's celebrating his younger brother which to him was unthinkable. The only thing that his younger brother was good for in his eyes, and actually in the eyes of the village, was a jolly good beating and being jailed until he understood how to treat his father. What this older brother is looking at, he's looking at love, not words about love. He's looking at love. He's looking at love fulfilled, that his beloved child has come home. And he's celebrating. The elder brother has no file for that. Doesn't know where to put it. It's insanity. But there's a nagging thought inside it's insanity, I hope. Because if this, if this, if this is truth, then I am gone, I'm lost, I'm a dead man. My life is over. If, if my younger brother can be celebrated, delighted in, honored, then I don't know what life is about. I don't know the meaning of life. The fact that my father is honoring my younger brother is an insult. He's shameful before the eyes of the village. You, you, you could say that this older fellow has come to blow up the party. He would if he could. Now that, That's the scene. But I have to stop here because if you read this parable many times as I have, you will realize both of these sons so it begins, a certain man had two sons. Well, both of these sons, you could say, are inwardly blind. They are blind. They are totally in a fog when it comes to their father. And therefore, the life that they live, shall I say, bouncing off of their father, what they believed about their father, what they understood of their father, caused them to act and live the way they did. But you come away from this saying they're blind. They're blind as bats. They don't know who their father is. Seriously, let this sink in. This is very serious. They are living in the same house as their father. They're eating of his food and sleeping in his house, but they don't know who their father is. They are ignorant of the truth about his father. In fact, worse than that. Because in that darkness, mental, emotional, spirit darkness... Uh, of, of their blindness concerning their father, they had invented an image of their father, which they believed to be true, but it was a phantom, it was an illusion, it was not the father. The father is introduced to us in this parable and he comes over in vivid color. There's no doubt as to what kind of a fellow this father is. So the two boys did not only not know their father, they'd invented an imaginary father that was totally other than the real one. And they're playing their life off. They're relating to this imaginary father, not the real one. They don't know him. What is Jesus doing in telling this story? Which, of course, the story is all about the love of God. But he begins with this. This is, this is how the younger son is described as lost. And indeed, we could throw the older one in as well. They're both lost and they're described as dead. And that lostness and deadness is, is described here as their total ignorance They're not knowing who their father is. I believe that in telling this story, Jesus is giving us just a quick throwback to the Garden of Eden. You see, everybody would agree there's something wrong with the human race. What is wrong? Hear me very carefully. And I know some of you will not agree, but that's the, the wonder that we can share truth and, and the Holy Spirit sort it out between us. I say this is a cameo of Genesis chapter 3. What went wrong with the human race? And And in the early years of my Christian life, I was taught that that there was this big uh, commandment given, it was a big no-no, and Adam and Eve, they they went to the place they shouldn't have gone, and they did what they shouldn't have done, they disobeyed, and that completely screwed up, not only them, but the entire human race. Well, as I go to Genesis and I sit down with the characters of Genesis, I find that here's Adam and Eve and they are created in the image of God. And, and being in the image of God means they derive, that is, as a gift that they receive of God's life in order to express Him and to reveal Him. They, they are creatures, and yet creatures elevated. That is, they, they have no life apart from their Creator, and it is the love, life of their Creator which is being given to them. And in that love they live, and they are His image, His reflection, His going forth on earth. To that couple there comes the serpent. Which uh, is variously described in Scripture as that great dragon. He's the devil. He's he's the and those words mean accuser, separator, divider. But above all, Satan has one supreme name. Jesus gave it to him in John eight forty four and said that he is the liar. He authors the lie, and he's the source of it as he spews it out into the human race. The liar and the lie. And he comes to the couple, and comes to specifically Eve, at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The place of choice, the place where trust is established. Shall it be in the word of God? Here comes an alternate word, which is not an alternate word, for God's word stands alone. There's no other opinions. There's no other suggestions. But Satan comes, the liar, and he speaks the lie. Notice the definite article. He's the liar, and he speaks the lie. And the lie is that they should eat of the tree that God had lovingly warned them is the doorway to death. But you eat it and lied, Satan. You shall be as gods. There it is. (laughs) You know, Satan didn't come and tempt them to do some terrible behavior. That would all come later. He comes with the one sentence. Just a minuscule thing. What? Five words. You shall be as gods. That was it. Therein is the mystery of wickedness and evil in the world. What does it mean? You human beings, you creatures made of dust and living from God's beautiful love, good life. It's time you asserted yourself. It's time that you became self-determining creatures. And asserting yourself, this is the tree to do it. It's the place of choice. It, It determines what you trust. And here, in eating of this tree, in asserting yourself, you shall know good and evil. You will determine what's good. You will determine what's evil. And that will be your life. You must do good. You mustn't do evil. And and, and you will be as God. You will assert yourself. Self-determine. You control your own life, you see. Yet you'll be the master of your own destiny. That was the great lie. Can I quickly say this? In our present culture, lying is taken for granted. And, and, And when I say the whole of the collapse of the world as God intended was because of the lie... People look as if I'm, I'm somebody lied. Well, that's, that's sort of nothing. I mean, everybody lies these days. You see, um, you know, politicians lie, presidents lie, everybody lies, commercials lie. I'm surrounded by lies. Oh, what's a big deal? You know, we can see through it most of the time. And yes, that's I'm afraid all part of the lie. The great lie is that there's nothing to a lie. You must understand Satan is lie as surely as God is love. And of God it is said it is impossible for him to lie or again it says the God who cannot lie for love cannot lie. When when we speak of truth it means undergirding reality that which is, and which is real, and which cannot move, it's truth. And truth came to the original human race, and said, you are freely loved, you are birthed in love, you sprang forth from love to be loved, and all of life is gift, and you are accepted into the heart of the Holy Trinity to be celebrated, to dance with their joy and to peace with their peace. And of all the trees in the garden you may freely eat. That was the truth. They were creatures who walked freely within God. The lie Says, boy, is something missing. And there came forth, you say, just not, not, not words merely that aren't true. Let's understand a lie. That which is other than truth is a living energy of unlife. It is the outlife of Satan. That's who he is. And he who speaks lies speaks of Satan, said Jesus. Lie. It's an energy. It's a pulsating thing of unlife, of death, that distorts reality, gives an illusion of that which is not. And in the cases we're talking of, that means death. It means an irreversible situation is created unlike truth which is the energy of Holy Spirit which has its centered Jesus who said I am the truth and that goes forth the energy of God's life and love healing and making whole the lie went out I describe it as like parasites um my, my my wife, when she was a practicing naturopathic doctor, she had a speciality in parasites and tropical medicine, and and, and did lectures on these things. After you've seen her lecture, you didn't want to eat for weeks. Um, parasites, and interestingly, they are when you magnify them a hundred thousand times, they're they're, they're snakes, little tiny, tiny. Snakes and they get into your body and they fill your body and they can turn your brain and they can turn your organs inside out and they can, you're, you're living death with these things working inside of you. Uh, it, they, they are alive, frighteningly, hideously alive, And, and the, 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 but they're death. They are the life of unlife parasites and the lie. It is the ultimate snake coming into the human race. They're deriving another kind of life, which is not life. And all the lies that come out of that, the parasites, producing a human race that is nothing compared with what it was created to be. And at the heart of the lie, you shall be as God's. You, imagine it, creature. You shall be as the gods. The gods, the ideal, the perfect. Well, you see, once you begin, then then, uh, I've got to be perfect. I'm I'm a god. I've got to be above all flaws, all imperfections. But then immediately then, If I would be like the gods, then the gods are my judge as to whether I am welcome among the gods. And the beautiful, beautiful God who is love is now twisted by that lie, distorted. His beautiful face of tenderness and goodness is tarred and muddied to become a cruel judge. The judge of whether you are like the gods. And so now man lives in the awful tyranny and slavery of you ought, but you didn't. You should have, but you didn't. You could have, but you didn't want to. It's coming into the world of do this and don't do that. Do good, don't do evil. And if you do evil, you'll be punished. But if you do good, you'll be rewarded. And so the struggle, the weary struggle to be enough, to be enough to be accepted as a God. And the God who glares down... Is the God ever judging? Sound familiar? Jesus is describing in this story two boys who see their father through the awful lens of that lie, that they see him not as father, but as the supreme lowercase g, God, the false God, the phony God, the one they invented, as they try to be perfect and this God is their judge. And to be as gods they want what God has got. And they see their father as the one who jealously guards his power and his possessions. Uh, That's what the younger brother is doing in those first verses. Because, you know, when he goes to his father and said, you know, I I, I can't wait till you're dead. I, I want my inheritance now. I want the reading of the will. Basically, he's saying, I can't wait for you to die. I wish you were dead. So let's read the will and pretend you are dead. What's he doing? Good grief. What's he doing to the horror of those listening to this story of Jesus? What's he doing? He's trying to grasp. He's grabbing what he perceives as his father's power. I, I, I will go into my father's innermost heart and say, I want you dead and I'll grab my inheritance. Give it to me now. Oh, poor boy. He's trying to grasp and steal that which love has already planned to give him. For already in the mind of God, when Adam's grasping to become as God, God already planned that through Jesus we should be called sons of God and sit in heavenly places with him. But he tries to grasp what love would give. You shall be as gods. And so he lives under condemnation, guilt, unworthiness, expecting punishment. That's the story of the younger brother. He stole the power in his own mind. He got it. He outwitted the old man and he walks away with pocketfuls of cash in order to determine his own life in the far country of course using his father's money or misusing it all of life is father's gift but we grabbed it to misuse it huh. but the older brother stayed home because he got away with two thirds of the inheritance though he didn't he didn't stand with his younger brother but he took what he got Younger brother gets a third, divides inheritance, the older brother gets two-thirds, he stays home. But he's struggling to earn what his father gave. That's this fellow. He's struggling to earn. He doesn't understand his father. He doesn't get it that his father gave. Gave him two thirds. That was the rest of the farm. He gave it all to him. That was the inheritance. It would mean the father lives on the interest. But it all belongs. It's, It's been signed over to the boy. He's got it, stayed home. And what's he doing? He's struggling to earn and deserve what his father has given him. He still sees his father as the judge. He still sees his father as master. And I'm trying to be worthy enough. And he called himself a slave all these years, I've slaved for you. Slave for you. Groveled to obey you. Wow. Let that sink in. Here's a boy. He, he's his father's son, and in his relationship with his father, has received freely the inheritance of the whole ranch. And he stands on the ranch, and in his mind, he's a slave. A slave? A slave. In anybody's language, a slave owns nothing. When a slave walks on the land, he knows it doesn't belong to him. He's on that land to serve his master's pleasure. He sleeps in a house, but he knows the house is not his, nor is the bed or the sheets. Even his clothes and his food are given, oh, not as gift, but that the, it's, it's like filling up your car with gas. The slave exists for the happiness of the owner. And so he gets his clothes and his food, He's controlled. you. that That's a slave. What on earth is in this chap's mind? A slave. I said it a moment ago. They stood at the door. They stood around the kitchen. And hopefully one of the other slaves, the waiters, would toss them something from the kitchen. And they'd get something extra. But it was a guilty pleasure because... You see, that food wasn't theirs. They're slaves, remember, nothing's theirs. And, and, and so they, they eat, but they eat quickly and hope no one's watching. And among slaves there was much stealing because they said, I, I, I should get what's coming to me. Because it's not mine it never will be mine. I'll never be rewarded. So I've got to take and grab and grasp what I can get. There's no relationship to the family. You serve the family. You serve the family. You serve the family. You serve the family. But you never relate. And there comes a time when the door closes. Only family beyond there. So you're never free. Never free to be. Who I am, never free to dream to become I'm a trespasser in life. I don't belong here that's the the fog that Jesus paints with so few words. The fog that that is in the mind of this this is the parasitical infestation. The man can't see it. He's a son. But he sees himself a slave and if he's a slave then that makes his father not father but master. Do you you see this? This this was the darkness, this was the Stygian blindness that he's in. And from within that he's got to have control. He's got to control this master that calls himself Father. He's got to control him. That is, if I do enough good, then I can control any sort of affection or respect he has for me. And if I do it right, then he'll love me. I doubt he used that word, but he would reward me. If I do wrong, I know that he can't reward me. Uh, I, but I'm controlling. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I, I'm, I, I try to do things that he'll notice, so I can control his affection and affirm me and reward me. But in his mind, he remained a controlled slave. Can you imagine? Into that world, maybe you better listen to this a second time and, and, and get it. So Into that world of darkness and misery and drudgery and getting up in the morning to do the chores with no sense of meaning just because I'm serving him into that miserable, fear-filled world, there came an explosion, beyond any nuclear explosion, of unconditional love. It, I mean, it sent reverberations through the whole village, but it knocked this elder son off his feet that his father had received, hugged, celebrated, Honored, kissed all over, now parted. The younger son that had walked off. All oh, that place that this boy was in. Uh, I, I would say safe place. I say safe in that he'd got control of it, you see. He was controlled in this miserable existence. He, It was predictable in his mind. Earn, reward. Do bad, get punished. You, you learn how to live with it. But of course the truth is he'd never been punished. That was part of his confusion. He'd done good and never been rewarded. But you know, it's all crashing down. Everything he thought he understood, it's all crashing. He's terrified. And the terror comes out in this rage. So that There's it. There, there. Out of that rage he's screaming these words, you see. And and the band in the background and the, the singing and the dancing and the music and the people pressed against the glass to see what on earth the father's going to do. He comes out and they stand there on the porch of the slaves. And the boy refuses to go in to the feast of love. They stand there. And I'm waiting for the confrontation, for this boy has insulted his father that in that day demanded arrest and imprisonment till there was time for a beating. But the father doesn't exactly address his words. He, He just simply speaks truth without explaining to the boy that he's awash in lies. He simply speaks truth it's It's monumental if you take time just to read it and try and hear it in the middle of all that's going on. The Father just looks at him, not no confrontation. The word is come alongside you see and 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 he said, Son, well, yes, he did, but not quite because the word that is used here, Jesus put in the mouth of the Father. The word for son, that meant actually my little boy, but not as a demeaning thing. It, it meant my, my. It's carrying the, the love and the intimacy of, of when he was a little child and, and the father held him and they played together and, and he sat on his knee and, and played ball together my, my, my dear my dear little son and, and it, of course he's the elder brother so it wasn't true to say he was the young he, he, the, the, this is intimacy it's as if I'm looking through all your big adult blustering words and I'm looking at my son my dear, my dear son my dear son just just pulled it i i, I i'm a slave <laughs> father didn't even bother to say you're stupid don't be silly he just went straight to the truth he speaks the truth you see truth is the energy of love he said my dear my dear little son my dear boy my son my beloved child Hold it. I, I, I'm trying to catch my breath. If, if he's son, then that means, of course, he's not slave. He's beloved. He's free. My dear son, that means born of my love. Born, born, born of my love. That, that means behavior because you're not acting like my son right now, nor have you actually for years um, you've been cold you've been resentful you've had walls up that stop me coming in but it hasn't changed anything you're my son because being my son is not to do with behavior you can't pass an exam to become your father's son it's got nothing to do with that my son you share my life you are birthed of my love nurtured by my love you are the dream of my love You are valued more. You're my son. You're of more value, more worth than the whole village put together. My son. And my son stood there having just announced to the world he was slave. Your son, but you haven't seen it. You haven't received it. Actually, you've thrown it back in my face, but it doesn't change anything. You're my son. My son, that, that means then that I'm not master. If you're my son, I'm not your master. I'm your Abba. I'm your father who loves you with unconditional love. Therefore, if you're son and I'm father, it means life takes place within the freedom of love my son is there a question there who told you that you were unacceptable who told you that you were unworthy who told you that what damnable liar came between us and told you that you were unlovable you're precious my son You're of inestimable worth. Think about that. This is not a story 2,000 years old. It happened on Sunday. It happened yesterday. It's happening today to a 1,000 people and some are listening right now. My son, he says, you're always with me. Always with me. And with? That's a Bible word, a covenant Bible word. I don't have time to go into the history of that, but understand me, with, with. It means movement toward. If I'm with you, there's a towardness about it. We're we're moving toward each other. In fact, this word uh, could mean face to face. It certainly means shoulder to shoulder, chest to chest, eyeball to eyeball. I'm with you. I'm with you. Some have even said cheek to cheek. With, it means a together relationship. It means mutually living in this moment together, facing this moment together, joying together, weeping together, working together. Another word for this with is abide. Remember that one from John's Gospel? Abide. It means living together. You have my space. I have your space. We share. We participate in life together. We we sort of have it even in English when we say, I'm standing with you. Or right now here in the U.S., they're they're doing beginning elections and they're asking the question, who's with me? It, It means... I believe what you believe. I'm standing with you. I'm throwing in my lot with you. That's it. We're walking together in life. Said the Father, you are always with me. Son, have you not noticed? This is the truth. Love has surrounded you since your birth. I know you've not seen it. You've lived in the lie that walled yourself up against that and you had this imagination of darkness and devil that behind that wall is an angry father who's ready to judge you, but it's not true. And you've resented that I own the property, but it's yours. It's always been yours. The truth is, we've always been with, always You've lived in bitter resentment. You've said, it's not for me. It's not for the likes of me. I don't belong here. I'm not worthy. I'm not wanted here. Lies, lies, lies. You've always been with me. I've been pro you. I've been on your side. I've surrounded you. I've shielded you, my son. And all that is mine is yours. Oh, yi, yi. You say you're a slave? You say that I, I, I walk on others' property? I'm a trespasser here? No, my son. All that is mine is yours. The land you walk on, the home you sleep in, the food you eat, it's all yours. There's no need, you see, to grab and steal and manipulate. Nor is there any place for earning. How can you earn what you own? How can you be rewarded with that which is yours, you see? It's the lie twists everything. How can you struggle to get what was given to you years ago? All is now yours. Oh, understand, the Father is saying, there is no gift that I have that I've not given to you. In fact, there is nothing that I want that I cannot share with you. All that I have is yours. You stand in the midst of giving love, but you've never seen it, you've never trusted or taken it you rather you've resented the father for keeping it all to himself because you wouldn't even give me a little goat no son cuz the goats were yours You'd take them any time i remember going to an orphanage and it was um i think it was in mexico a- and we took food lots of it but the but the orphanage had food anyway and we sat down for dinner with the um, those in charge and all the orphans, and it was something to behold, to watch as those children, you watch their hand reach out to to the table, and and they they would take a piece of bread or a cookie, and and they would slide it back into their pocket. Those little fellows there, they were stealing from the table because they could not believe that the food was already theirs. They couldn't believe that there'd be enough tomorrow. They'd so long lived on the streets. They were stealing their own food. I thought of this chap when I saw that there was a a girl in San Antonio that my wife um, employed and she too had come from terrible circumstances um, and she'd never had a birthday party, never seen a birthday cake and so on her 15th birthday my wife not only threw her a party but because she didn't know what would be her favorite taste. She made four birthday cakes, so that she could choose whichever one pleased her the most. The girl went into a panic attack, sort of, and and almost groveled, and, and the best one could say would be timidly asked if she could just have a little slice of one of those cakes. And it took most of the night to convince her, all four cakes belong to you. You you know, groveling a slave in the midst of a plenty that is mine. When will we get it? For this is where millions of Christians live, on the porch with the slaves who believe they are slaves. They talk in terms of God as a master. They delight to call themselves unworthy and no good. I'm a slave. I'm, a, I'm the servant of God. You can't serve God until you know you're his child. God is not wanting slavish obedience. He wants your hug as his child and then delightful leaping together into life to do his work together. I I was in Brazil and there, there was this pastor. Well, he was a missionary, young chap. Younger in thirty, he spoke to me through an interpreter, and he was weeping as he told me, uh, and and so I put the story together, that he had gone as a missionary. I will not say the denomination, but he went as a missionary into the Amazon, which of course is in northern Brazil, and and, and to begin with the denomination supported him, but then quickly they forgot him up there, lost in the rainforests of the Amazon, and he didn't send great reports back. That was the trouble, because the Indians there were not listening. And basically it was just him and his new wife. They got married and went to the Amazon. And so he and his new wife were were slogging it out in their little hut in the Amazon, trying to make the Indians listen. And when they sent back such no report of anything happening, the denomination sort of forgot them. And so the money was running out. And then they had a baby. And and so there they are, in the middle of a hostile nowhere, with hardly any money, living in a shack, and a new baby. And, And this young missionary, he screamed, he said, I'm serving God. If this is how God looks after his servants, he can keep it. He said, I quit, and he told his wife, let's get packed, we're going back to Rio de Janeiro. But he said, before we leave, I want to have this out with God because I'm finished with Him. And I want a definitive moment when it's done. And he said, I'll be back tonight, and he went off into the jungle, into a hut, that he had there and and in that hut he screamed and he wept and he raged and he cursed at god and he said i have served you i've given up everything to be here to serve you and what have you done i'm stranded out here with people who won't listen and a church who doesn't support me on and on and then he was exhausted And in the silence, a deep silence that followed his ranting, his testimony was that he became aware of the voice of the Holy Spirit within him that filled his whole being. There was no mistaking. And he said, the Holy Spirit said, I am so sorry that your service for me has come between us. I don't want your service, I want your friendship. And so if serving me has come between us, please stop serving me so that we can be friends. And that changed his life. He ran back to his wife to share as best he could this totally new revelation. He said, I'll never serve God again. He's my friend. And there developed that husband and wife up there in the far reaches of the Amazon. This friendship with God, a response to God love and God affirmation. Strangely enough, from that day on, the Indians came. Maybe it's because they were no longer hearing of a God of judgment, but a God who loved. And the money came in. And there's a great mission there today. And he came down to Rio for my meetings and through an interpreter, he gave that story. And he wept. He wept. He said, God doesn't want our service. He wants our friendship. He doesn't want slavish obedience. Oh no. You see... All these years I've slaved for you. Where that wasn't the point, was it? God wanted relationship, love, delighting together. And so he says, my dear son, you've always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. It's given, it's done. There's nothing to earn. The gift is, it is now as the day of need, the day of opportunity and challenge. Take what has already been given. That's what Jesus was doing. He burst into this darkness of ours. God, come from God to tell us, number one, what God was really like. He came from behind the wall where we kept our idols and he says, this is what the true God is like. But then he came in our human flesh, to tell us, and this is what true humans were always intended to be like. And this is what I've come to do, is to restore you to this Father to make you in my image. Hmm. Well, there it is. That's what Jesus came. To do and said, I am the way, I'm the roadway, I'm the pathway. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the truth, I'm the reality, I am real life. I don't know where you stand. I mean, we talk together here every week, but as I said, there are so many. And they're believers, but they're, they haven't enjoyed their Christian life, maybe ever. It's a duty, somewhat resentful duty, grudging duty. I have to do it, I have to serve God. And of course, in so doing, you miss totally what God's after in the first place. And it's a miserable affair. May all of our eyes be opened. May we be flooded with divine light so that we may know, be be filled, be overwhelmed with the knowledge that which God knows about us, that which God knows concerning our deepest true self. May all these facades and fogs and darkness be blown away by the Holy Spirit and we may see ourselves as we truly are in this love of the true God revealed in Jesus. And may we receive the spiritual wisdom walking according to the divine blueprint of a response to love, not to rules. May we have spiritual understanding where the mind of God melds with the mind of our hearts. It's my prayer for you. And may the blessing of God who is almighty love, our Abba, may His blessing fill you shock you, craze you, revealing to you his love and his gifting of his very self to you in Jesus. May he bless you by enabling you to respond to the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, who alongside of you reveals truth, So I bless you. That is the way it is.